2020's extraordinary election sees 40 new MPs in Parliament. Labour alone has 22 new faces, but in terms of rookie caucuses, ACT beats them all. I'm Alexia Russell, and today on The Detail, the party with the youngest leader, who's been a solo act for the last nine years, is ushering in nine newbies. The act leader, David Seymour, is confident his new caucus members are up to the challenge of being MPs. Act got 8% of the party vote, giving it 10 seats, its best ever election result. For each of the past three parliaments, Act has had just one lone MP in Parliament. But when David Seymour goes back to Wellington this week, it will be as leader of a ten-strong caucus. I want to thank the people of New Zealand, around 200,000 New Zealanders, who have put their trust in ACT and would like this genuinely independent team of fabulous ACT MPs to work for you. The ACT party is going to be a force to be reckoned with in this next parliament and we're going to be holding everyone accountable. What a privilege it is to stand up here alongside these great people with a great party behind us. Others include a secondary school teacher, engineer, self-employed businesswoman and a dairy farmer. We've got a lot of diversity. Uh, you know, we've got uh, three Napui. Uh, and we've also got two vegetarians uh, in our caucus. The ACT MPs will cut their teeth in opposition in what David Seymour called a bittersweet result. So what will they even be doing for the next three years? And will we be seeing a series of faux pas as they exercise their party's favourite trait, freedom of choice? You're confident you won't be bringing in any problematic MPs? Uh, look, I, I've, I've always said all politicians are problematic. And what's that going to be like for you, though? Because, you know, you've got MPs that have never been in Parliament before and now you've got a whole bunch of them at once that you're going to have yeah. to wrangle. Yeah, but look, all new MPs have never been in Parliament before. I'm always astonished at uh, how, how much people make of that uh, simple fact. Uh, you know, they've all got very good experience. You know, former police officers, environmental engineers, uh, people that actually have had some parliamentary experience, farmers, seven of our top ten small business owners. So uh, the experiences that they've got I think will be very useful. I think there's an expectation from some in the community that they're going to be these kind of um, neoliberal automatons. Jonathan Milne was a parliamentary reporter with the Dominion in 2002 when a similar situation arose with United Futures' unexpected eight MPs and no one had done any homework on them. Now he's the editor of Newsroom Pro and he's learned his lesson the hard way. It was a bit of embarrassing back in Parliament in the press gallery in 2002 because um, we, we, we just got ambushed by um, the success of the United Future Party back then. They came in um, and um, we knew nothing about any of them. It turned out um, they didn't even know much about themselves. Um, one, one of their um, MPs, um, Kelly Chow, turned out to not even be a New Zealand citizen, so she wasn't eligible to be an MP. They didn't find that out until a few days in. Um, uh, one of their MPs, Paul Adams, um, wanted um, AIDS sufferers quarantine, put in quarantine camps. Mm-hmm. Um, the, um, I guess, a precursor of COVID in some respects, um, but um, it, it was quite extraordinary. The um, some of the fundamentalist views, and we had no idea. Um, and uh, I think some of us in the press gallery felt we'd actually let down the public a little bit, not <laughs> warning 
not warning them about um, who they were voting for. Um, uh, it did mean that for the month or so after the election, there was a story every day about um, uh, some um, extraordinary um, comment or statement from each of these MPs as they slowly got their political views and religious views out there. But we knew the polls this time. Presumably we learnt our lesson, so there has been a little bit about uh, these guys, but you know, even the week before the election, we were talking about um, Tony Severin at number nine as being the very sort of remote possibility last MP, and she's nine out of ten. Yep. So, what did we learn about them as a group? Are we likely to see mass foot and mouth disease, or do you think they'll get on okay? Look, I think um, I think David Seymour learnt from Peter Dunn's experience in two thousand two. Um, they ACT did have a bit more time than uh, than Peter Dunn did. Uh, you recall that in 2002, Peter Dunn came from nowhere with the, the famous worm debate, whereas this time round, um, ACT has had pretty much a year in which they've been going slowly and steadily up in the polls. So I would say that a lot of these MPs are not caught by surprise. Uh, they, they, they knew that the, the likelihood was that they would end up in Parliament, and here they are. Um, you know the the ones at the at the edge at the periphery maybe might have been a bit uncertain, but um, we knew that Brooke Van Velden was going to be an MP. We knew that Nicole McKee was going to be an MP, and um, with her um, um, her views on gun control. So the, these are not so much of a surprise, and I do think the media's um, looked into them a little bit more carefully, and I do think they fronted themselves up and said, you know, here is what we stand for. So people know that for the most part they're in favour of firearms. They have some of them have ambivalent attitudes towards climate change. Yeah, I, I would love to be a fly on the wall of their caucus room when they get round to talking about climate change because um, their policy is um, very, very loose. Um, it, it is what you want it to be. Um, if you if you uh, want action on climate change, then you're going to support X policy on climate change because they believe in no-nonsense, pragmatic action. If you, um, What does that mean? What does that mean? <laughs> if, if, if you don't think that climate change is a thing and you don't think it's influenced by, um, by humans, then you're going to love their policy just as much. No-nonsense, pragmatic response. <laughs> um, but um, I surveyed all of the um, the top 15 candidates, just to be safe, just <laughs> right down to number 15, just so in thorough. case the, poll, uh, the voters delivered us a surprise. Um, and despite the fact that David Seymour says they're all absolutely united behind the ACT policy, the no-nonsense ACT policy, um, I did discover that their climate change views were really quite disparate. Um, we've got um, a couple of MPs, um, Chris Bailey and Mark Cameron, who use language of hysteria. They believe that um, uh, that the reaction to climate change is hysterical. Chris Bailey's been um, teaching that in schools to his um, classes in schools, uh, um, alerting them to the hysteria of climate change. Mark Cameron, who's a um, farmer from Northland, put in a select committee submission last year railing against um, Al Gore and the um, weaponising weather. Um, uh, what does he say about that now? Well, he's he's a little bit more careful now, but to be fair, I, I don't think he's tried to walk it back too much. It will be difficult for him to walk it back because he's got a legacy of several years of, tw- of tweeting in which he um, in which he expresses his views on climate change very forthrightly. <laughs> his Twitter feed is quite a read, really. Um, the um, if you're if you're looking for a rollicking um, uh, long form novel, so um, we're, we're going to have them on one side, and we've got people like civil engineer Simon Court, and and perhaps perhaps I'm not sure, but I think probably Brooke Van Envelde and the deputy leader on the other side who um, both of them come from a green background. They're both former mm. green voters. Their responses to me were very um, very clear that they know that action needs to be taken on climate change and that action needs to be taken fast. 
Hence why I think that Kyle Corker's room is going to be an absolutely entertaining discussion. OK, let's walk, the, walk through them. Brooke Van Velden, who is the number two now, she's a smart cookie, isn't she? And she's been an ex-staffer, so she mm. doesn't have the perhaps the unfamiliarity with Parliament and in, in the goings-on there than the others might have. Brooke Van Velden is a Bikram yogi who enjoys knitting and tapestry in her spare time, but don't let that fool you. She's no stranger to the halls of power, having spent the last three years working there, gathering support for ACT's end-of-life choice bill. If elected, Ms Van Velden will focus on reducing generational debt, more affordable homes and better mental health for all. The government's spending $2 billion each year on mental health services and yet people are still not happy with that provision and I want to get away from this idea of just throwing more money at it and it will solve the problem because it obviously hasn't worked. And so what I want to see and a policy I've created is one mental health and addiction agency nationwide um, and it would be the sole interface for mental health care for every person in this country. Yeah, she looks like a safe pair of hands um, and I think one of the questions for us is how they're going to operate as an opposition, you know, um, when there's 10 of them with... No, they're not in government. They're not even the biggest party in, in opposition. So what are they actually going to do for the next three years? I think Brooke Van Velden and David Seymour give us an indication on that, that they can very competently identify issues that um, may be important, certainly may be saleable, and work them very hard. And we saw that um, with the positions they've taken on gun control. I guess uh, you'd have to say we saw that with the um, the End of Life Choice Act. They've identified an, an issue that I'm sure they feel passionately about, but they've run it very effectively as a campaign, and um, we're yet to see the results from the referendum, but I think all the indications are that referendum may well pass. What do they do in opposition? Are they going to spend the next three years shouting into the wind, or you know, is there something that opposition parties, and not even the biggest opposition party, can do to achieve some of their aims. Yeah, so I think um, what David Seymour would be well advised to do, and he doesn't need my, my advice on it, I'm sure he's come to this conclusion himself, is to very clearly identify what, what area each of the 10 MPs is responsible for. So, for instance, he's already um, put Simon Court in, in charge of their environmental policy, which is a relief to me because I personally don't want to see Mark Cameron or um, Chris Bailey in charge of it. So if he can allow them to focus and to um, to get to know key key sector um, representatives, to get their head around the existing um, legislation and um, identify where they think it needs to be changed, th- that could be quite effective. I mean, 10 MPs is a lot. Uh, you know, if you've got somebody who's specialising in, in health, somebody who's specialising in compulsory education, somebody who's specialising in tertiary education, and you work right through, you know, you, you can you can cover a lot of ground with your mm. staff on that. ACT is um, almost a third of the opposition now, so it is going to play an enormous role. Um, we'll see them in select committees following their areas of specialty there. So, for instance, coming back to Simon Court, I'm sure we'll see him sitting in on, um, on environmental issues, environmental law reforms, and uh, that, that That'll be a further area for them to scrutinise legislation, which is, of course, the fundamental job of an opposition, and to identify where there might be holes in it, and um, for them as a policy matter to work out what they're going to campaign on. Okay, let's get back to that list then. Uh, Number three, Nicole McKee. She is the firearms activist. 
game animal management has become an issue over the last three years, more so over the last few months, and we need to address that from inside the house as well. So I think we know quite a lot about her um, already. She's been a strong and credible, I would say, um, a voice for the... Gun lobby sounds too harsh, doesn't it, in a New Zealand context? Yeah, it's, it's, not they the NRA, it? it's not the NRA. <laughs> um, um, and she speaks calmly and rationally, um, which um, sounds like damning with faint praise, but it really is something, I think, um, uh, to, to have um, constructive sides to that debate um, at, at this time. She's quite helpful because, the much as with the climate change policy, the ex gun policy is actually really, really vague. I mean, you'd think for a party that was campaigning hard on, on gun issues that they'd have quite a clear policy. They don't. What they basically say, what, they, what their policy basically says is last year's gun law changes were done a little bit too fast and the public wasn't properly consulted and taken along. And so we want to do it all again. We want to have a commission and we want to listen to what the commission finds and we want to um, listen to the public and listen to the gun lobby as well as to the anti-gun lobby when we redraw the laws. That's not really taking a position. That's just saying, let's do it all again. Chris was, for 15 years, a police officer in youth aid. Uh, He's been a secondary school teacher for special needs kids, and he's a small business owner. Chris Bailey is a proponent of personal responsibility and wants to see more support for small businesses following COVID-19. Mr Bailey is a big fan of the country's jazz scene and is a bit of a musician himself. I play the trumpet in a in a couple of jazz bands have done for for quite a while now. Not particularly good, but I really enjoy it. I think you're going to hear a lot from Chris Bailey about um, law and order, and you're going to hear a lot from him about education. And you probably, unless David Seymour can shut him up, you're probably going to hear a bit from him about climate change as well. Like I said, he's <laughs> he thinks that there's um, some climate of um, hysteria and fear around it, and um, and that we're acting, we're responding in an overwrought and irrational manner to it. He's been supporting ACT since he was 18 years old. Um, he's studying law, he's got a small business, um, he, he speaks fluent Chinese. Um, uh, he's a young guy, but he's got a, lot, a pretty big skill set. Number five on the list, Simon Court was the first to hit headlines for his past. With revelations last week, he was once deported from Fiji. He says for raising issues about work done by Chinese Communist Party contractors. He was there working as an engineer. As an environmental engineer, he's come to the conclusion it is innovation, not more regulation, that we require to solve our environmental problems. A man with a green thumb, Mr Court believes in reducing waste to landfill and wants to see the Resource Management Act replaced. He's also the father of three high school-age boys, the youngest with Down syndrome. I really want to make sure there's a better world for him when he comes out um, from school and training, um, a world that's more accepting of people and their disabilities. And I also want to see more opportunities for those people to participate in work. He wants to repeal the flawed 2020 Arms Act amendment that would force a GP to tell police when a firearms owner is seeking help for mental health issues. And he says that'll have the opposite effect of what police intended, as it's more likely that people who own firearms will then avoid seeking help. So he's concerned that um, uh, that by providing doctors with that waiver where they are actually allowed to report confidential medical patient medical matters to police if they're concerned that somebody might be volatile and 
has a gun, he's saying, no, we, we have to keep that um, medical confidentiality sacrosanct, and that way then we know that these people will actually have the confidence to go and talk to their doctors. Is he the one that has a lot to say about mental health issues and disability? Yeah, we've actually got several ACT MPs who've got some really... Um, meaningful personal experience and family experience and uh, clearly bring that to the table. And re- uh, I'm, I'm quite excited actually about um, the contribution ACT is going to make um, on mental health because several of them, I'm looking at Simon Court, I'm looking at James McDowell. My name's James McDowell. So I work for a charity in the um, mental health and homelessness and disability sectors. Um, I also have a couple of small business projects on the side. I'm a practice manager of a, uh, my wife's immigration law firm and a uh, consulting business as well. And then uh, outside of that, I'm actually doing a law degree uh, and politics. So I've got quite a lot on my plate at the moment. Karen Shaw. So for years, I've been frustrated watching the numbers of homelessness, child poverty, abuse and mental health rising and listening to the promises that are made by multiple governments. And nothing seems to change except the name of the department. I grew up through the system and it failed me in so many ways. And I was hoping that it would be getting better. And, and watching from the outside, it doesn't seem to be getting better. It seems to actually be getting worse. All of them are taking a very health-based and non-punitive approach to mental health, mm. which is refreshingly consistent with where I think the population's been moving in recent years. Number eight is Mark Cameron, the farmer that we were talking about before. Um, also an interesting character and talkative yeah, I, I I quite like Mark Cameron. I um, I dealt with him a little bit um, in putting together um, my initial pre-election reports. Look, I was ready to uh, look. Dare I say it? Judge him a little bit harshly for um, his views on climate change, which um, I think are verge on conspiracy theory, and they don't have any scientific basis to them, as far as I can see. However, I thought I do need to look a bit more broadly than just his views on climate change. Um, I think we need to consider that um, the background he's coming from is a dairy farmer up the line in Northland. Um, He is actually on the front line of New Zealand's response to climate change, and so it is important that he does consider solutions um, that are going to work on the ground on the farms. And so it'll be useful for him to bring that to Parliament. I'm hoping that some of his colleagues like Brooke Van Velden and um, Simon Court might talk him around a bit on some of this. Mark Cameron is someone who's also bringing a lot of life experience to the table. As um, you know, as a dairy farmer up north, he was um, just expanding his business um, a few years ago. He was um, he just bought a second farm um, when he was diagnosed with an autoimmune disorder, which um, he says is now destroying his kidney function. So he's been up front with the party and he's been up front with the public about that and he's coming into Parliament now in not great physical shape. I think it's probably useful that um, that Parliament has representation from people who, again, you know, I talked about some not wanting perfect robots in Parliament. You know, there's a big portion of our population that's carrying health problems, that's carrying disabilities, and he'll be able to um, speak to that experience a little bit. I'm Mark Cameron. I'm the ACT candidate for Northland and, and the rural spokesperson for the party, and a cow cocky from Maroolwai. Uh, from I was medicated for depression for three and a half years in my 30s. I, I, the harder I worked, the less I felt in control of who I was becoming. So... I knew after years and years in the industry that I, well, having been in the industry for years and years at that point, I felt less in control of who I am as a person 
um, and, and, and I didn't feel any sense of pride. And now I see it in other people, and I've, I'm, I'm deeply grieved by that. I want to be part of the, the, the machinery or the collection of people that fixes it. Let's move on to number nine, another gun fan, Tony Severin. She is a former lab technician, licensed firearms owner. What else do we know about her? I've always been also a big believer in uh, freedom of choice and self-responsibility. So, uh, you know, it was really amazing to get to number nine and be able to promote those uh, values. Yeah, she's also a, um, a small business uh, owner from Christchurch and um, one of a relatively small South Island representation and on the ACT Party list. So um, I think her support for revisiting the gun legislation is, is probably interesting because she's so active in the gun community in Christchurch, which of course was a city that was was hit by um, the terror attacks last year and um, was a city that's still in enormous pain over that. Act will want to have her voice at the forefront in, in, discussion, in discussing rolling back the new gun controls because um, her coming from Christchurch and coming from the firearms and lobbying Christchurch I think will give her a, um, a certain degree of credibility in, in discussing that. And she was supposed to be the bottom line but acted so well on election night that we have Damien Smith at number 10. Uh, I don't know much about him. He's a botany businessman? Yeah, uh, financier. He's big money as far as anyone um, in ACT could be said to be. I'm sure he'll be able to relate very well to some of their more um, affluent donors. He comes from East Auckland um, and he's um, been very involved both in the UK and here in, um, in finance. I don't think um, David Seymour, despite his assertions of what a wonderful and gentle and caring um, boss he is. I don't think he's going to be giving them too much leeway. Um, I think what we might see is him taking the famous advice that um, Winston Peters always gave his um, uh, MPs, which is just to zip up for the first while. Parliament is a bit of a weird place sometimes and uh, there'll be a few ropes for them to learn, but I'm very confident they can do it. That's it for today. I'm Alexia Russell. The details brought to you by newsroom.co.nz and made possible by RNZ and NZ On Air. You can get us downloaded free to your mobile device every weekday from any podcast platform. And if you're using Apple, leave us a rating so other people can find us too. Our engineer today was Alex Aylett-McMillan and thanks to Jonathan Milne. Kakite anō. Mm-hmm.